Welcome to the RGG EDU podcast, where they talk a little photography and drink a lot of whiskey. Season three of the RGG EDU podcast is brought to you by Smug Mug. Yeah, they got a ridiculous grin and the name is funny, but Smug Mug is serious about photography. If you're ready to upgrade your photo game online, get your ass over to SmugMug.com to see where the pros are storing, showing, and selling their images. In this episode, we are joined with Serge Ramelli, and that's the incorrect American person. Totally yeah, not, not so bad. It's, it's, it's not yeah. like Serge Ramelli. <laughs> <laughs> so forgive me for not having the correct pronunciation. My wife would kill me. She's a French teacher. so I She would kill you. Does. Thank you for joining us. We're also uh, alongside Rob Grimm and our favorite Smurf Canadian, Renee Robin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're super excited to have you on the show, and thanks for making time in such a busy week. Yes, well, thank you for having me. It's very yeah, nice. Yeah, absolutely. We're big fans of your work. Um, our first question that we kind of ask everyone is, how would you describe your work? What do, what do you do? Um, I try to create, well, mostly cityscapes, which are like sort of dramatic, like if they would come out of, uh, out of a movie or something. Uh, that's uh, oh, Closer. Closer not, to the not, mic. not so much closer, but more direct into Okay, it. more direct. Yeah, so yeah. I try to, you know, make photos that are like with drama where you feel like something's going to happen, you know, like, you know, with clouds and atmosphere and ambience. And I, I work with um, uh, Yellow Corner, which is a network of galleries, mostly in Europe and Asia, but 85 galleries around the world, actually one of the biggest art galleries around the world. And I do <laughs> cities for them. So I did, um, uh, I did a lot of photos of Paris, New York, and... Venice, and I'm doing a book with Tenhouse, which is a German publisher that works with Yellow Corner. They co-publish. And so I did Paris and New York. I'm right now wrapping up Venice. And so I'm kind of like their city guy. So I travel the world into the beautiful, most beautiful cities and do, for now, black and white. I'm trying to convince them to go color. Uh, but they are big fans of black and white. So right now they are paying me for black and white. <laughs> okay, so take me back to the earlier days how did you get into the business what was your early influence so that was funny because um i'm 46 now and at the age of ever since i was a kid i wanted to do something artistic but i was a salesman i was selling website to hotels my brother had a company and so i would i was the the vp sell and i would go into uh, in the heart of paris you know whether it's the nice the louvre and everything and mm-hmm. it was the beginning we started in 99 it was the beginning of the web and uh, we were selling seo uh, work and website to hotels and whether like the first one doing SEO back in 2000 2001 like it was back re- when you could just make the the words clear or white and yeah like we, we, we were like every hotel was like number one on Hotel Paris when we started it was crazy like Google totally changed but it was kind of easy like we had sort of a magic formula so I was doing that but I liked it because uh, you know a lot of nice people I met you know a, a lot of nice people in the hotel industry but I felt like I didn't want to grow old and like not do what I've always wanted in life, which was be an artist. And so what I did is I went on holidays in 2004 with a friend who, and I'd never shot a photo in my life, but he took a photo of a girl that was with us and he, he was a designer and he showed me Photoshop, which I've never seen and turned the photo into something amazingly beautiful. And I realized that one camera and one software, sky is the limit. And so I came back home and bought like 80 books about retouching photos and started, you know, learning photography. And because I was a salesman into the heart of Paris, I was always by the Louvre, by Notre Dame, by all the, these nice places. So after six, uh, when the sun was coming and the, the work was done, I would 
put on my photographer thing. And for years, for four years, I would shoot like not every night, but every night there was something good happening in the mm-hmm. sky. I was in the scooter. I had my tripod and my camera in the thing. And I would like follow the clouds around Paris, like chasing the clouds and and this I sounds, did that for this sounds like a movie. I hear a character in a movie at this point. It's, it's no, incredible. No, it's, he is it, a character in a movie. Apparently. Yes. That's not, that's a whole different we'll story. We'll yeah. You know, actually, the, the, the reason I became a photographer was because I wanted to be an actor. Now, that, that's far-fetched, but listen to this. I've When I was a kid, I was I wanted to be an actor, and, and I didn't do it. And so I became a salesman. But then I started doing shorts uh, when I in my thirties, you know. And but every time you made, needed to make a short story, you needed like one makeup artist, you know, one DP, you know, four people, you know, for set. Like you couldn't tell a story without having like ten people and and some money. So that was really a problem. So when I went on on holidays and he showed me the camera and Photoshop, I'm like, I don't need anybody. I can create art. It was just with me and a software. So it was kind of like, you know, until the day maybe I do acting or not, at least. I'll have that. So it was kind of like a substitute to being an actor. And I felt in love with the media, but hmm. acting came back 10 years later, which is a different story. Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> so let's get into that. How did acting come back? So, all right. So then for four years, I, I did shooting, uh, I shot Paris and people started asking me, uh, and then a lot of people started writing me about, uh, you know, how, because the photos were pretty good, you know, and I actually learned a, a very early on from Scott Kelby. Uh, because he was the only one having decent books back in 2004, 2005, 2006. So I, I learned a lot from Scott, and um, I started watching him. That's how we became friends years later. And um, and so uh, to make a long story short, I got into tutorials because people kept asking me, like, how do you do this, how do you do that? I first just for help, and then I started, uh, and then I realized that I could actually re- you know stop being a salesman and just make tutorials and finance my life as a photographer. So... Um, because a website opened up in France called tuto.com, very similar to your website, but just for the French market. And um, I started putting tutorials in and I became the number one tutorial man on that website. So like 44,000 tutorials, it was like unbelievable. This is- uh, Are they in French or are they in English? Just French, French only. Yeah. That was okay. 2010. And I didn't expect that. Like I, I, I didn't do tutorials to make, you know, I just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna share this. and. And I started making decent money, so I could even I actually resigned from being a salesman to just making tutorials. But at least I was just doing art. That's mm-hmm. what I I liked about it. It was the money was a bit tight. It was not as much as a salesman, but it was you know good enough to be able to be an artist. Then later on came the you know later on came the, the galleries and the books and the publishing. And so money got better over time. But uh, because I speak English, I had this idea of making a YouTube channel. So I started a YouTube channel back in 2012, and in 25 to 30 videos, the channel became really big. In fact, today, it's 410,000 subscribers, making wow. it the biggest in the world on Lightroom, twice the size of Adobe official Lightroom channel. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> and so I got a lot of attraction, like a lot of people you know, started contacting me, including people from Hollywood, including one guy named Darius Wilhere, who says, I because, on my YouTube channel, I do a lot of French stuff. Like I talk a little bit like this sometimes. I make a little <laughs> bit of jokes. And he had this idea of making a movie with a, a French character. And so we first sh- did a short together. He proposed to do a short, which called If Only, which I, I did with him and my best friend, Calvin. And then uh, then we wanted he wanted to do a movie called The Parisian, but it was a lot Is of- Is it Calvin Hollywood? No. Oh, okay. No, Calvin oh. Piemont. Oh, I know Calvin okay. Hollywood. Yeah, right. No. Um, Great designer, uh, but he. Di- so we did a short together called like because I wanted to act, 
I've always said I wanted to act, but it was like, can you act, you know, for real? So we did this short. They were kind of happy with it. And so then he tried to produce a movie called The Parisian. Very, a lot of VFX movie. We didn't get the finance for it. But they said, look, I have another idea called The Hollywoodans. It's a story of a French guy who is illegal in the U.S., who is trying to make it in Hollywood. He's like a nobody. And um, as he comes to Hollywood, he's going to get run over by a screenwriter who is Oscar-nominated, uh, but slept with the wrong woman, so the mob is after him and forbids him to write any further scripts. So he's like, my life is over. I'm going to kill myself James Dean style. So he you know, starts the car and runs me over as he tries to kill himself. So I sort of save his life, become friend with him, and then there's a whole as a romance story with a girl who is in her 35, never had a big break in Hollywood, sort of want to give up the job, but beautiful. I sort of fall in love for her. And so the whole story is how I'm going to basically, with her and the whole cast of Misfit, try to somehow make it in Hollywood. And it's a comedy. It's called The Hollywoodans, sort of. And uh, it's, as we speak now, it's, on, it's from the 16th of May it's, uh, on iTunes, and you can buy it in 77 countries. And uh, oh. I hope it's doing good at the time of we speak. And if you haven't seen it, buy the movie, Hollywoodans. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> So what was it like acting? Like did, it was, was very was scary because now I found myself on a real Hollywood set. Uh, I, I, you know, we had an amazing producer who uh, got us amazing locations for like airplanes, like usually cost eight thousand dollars a day for a thousand and stuff like that. But especially, I was with thirty actors. I was with uh, Ken Davison, who has been in Borat. He was the second in Borat. I was with Jessica Morris, who's been in over eighty Hollywood movies. Uh, with Rebecca, Rebecca Holden, who was the lead in. Um, uh, what was this TV show? A Night Rider, you know, the car oh, Night yeah. Rider. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Shows. She yeah. was the lead there. Wow. She was also the lead in General wow. Hospital. And uh, and also a, a very upcoming stand-up comedian named Harry Williams. Amazingly funny, like sort of the new Chris Rock. And so it was scary because I was the lead with all these guys which were way more experienced than me. And apparently I did a good job. Do you have any formal training as an actor? Yeah, I mean, I, did you, did I, you study this for years? Because well, somehow we glossed over that. I don't know how you got to be. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did a lot of theater when I was a kid. But, you yeah. know, doing it might be stupid, but doing 800 videos of tutorials, which I've done. You've done 800? 800. Tutorials. Wow, so I spent my life in front of camera. Right. So I got used to actually be natural in front of camera right. through tutorials. That really helped me a lot. Like a lot. Yeah. It's not everything, but the role was being myself in front of a camera, which is what I do all day long. So what's the difference between the first video you made and the oh, last huge, one? Oh, huge, huge, huge. What, what, what did you learn in between? Just, you know, um, somebody once said that acting is having a personal emotion in public. And so uh, what I learned is having the camera go away and I'm just being myself. So that's what I learned with 800 videos. Yeah. It's funny. It's it's always funny to me watching really old movies, like how much they overact things. Oh, that's crazy. Like, yeah. How yeah. is that a... Totally a, different a, like, style. How is that a... Yeah. Something that everyone did. It was like, yeah, it was. Wow, a, they, like, they had this. They, it was the called the trans American accent. It was like an actual thing where they would talk very loud, and it was the you know, it changed in the seventies, I think. But yeah. that was the big thing from forties, fifties, sixties. Yeah, it was trans American. We actually in the Hollywoodans, we do a whole homage to that. It's funny. Yeah. Should we do the, the next five minutes overacting the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes, Rub you into it. that's amazing. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> You mean like that? Yeah. yeah. No, and sure sorry, no, but I'm no. taking all the time. We have a beautiful lady who's an amazing artist next to me. Maybe we should get interested into her. No, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, French. The French always do. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's let's get into publishing. I I find it always interesting that like when 
someone has actually made a book, your name's on it, and that's in print forever. You know, what was the first book like? So the first book was, I mean, sometimes, you know, luck strikes you, and it's, it's a funny story. I'm sorry to be a bit long, but this was a really a lucky break. Uh, when I signed with Yellow Corner, the gallery, the owner had a, one of his buddy was one of the publisher uh, for um, a very big French publishing company. And he was like, oh, I love your photo of Paris, you know, because I started first by doing the photos. He says, you know, I'd like to get into the book. And so one of my friend, uh, you know, one of my friend is a publisher, a big publisher in France. And so he presented the, my photos to him. He was like, yeah, let's make a book. And, uh, and I was about to sign when a guy called Enric Tenaus calls me up and says, I'm a German publisher. I want to make a book with you about your photos in Paris. I'm like, Ooh. yeah, but I'm like two days away from signing. I'm sick. Like, and, but who are you going to sign with? Yeah. yeah. Who are you going to sign with? And it was like, it was that, I forgot the name of the book. I think it was Robert Laffont or Hachette or big publisher. It was like, I'm international. I'm 20 times the size of that. Yeah. Uh, he was like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm really signing in today. It's a contract. He says, you're not. I'm flying tomorrow. I want to meet the guys and you're not signing. Oh, he cool. flew the next day with two ex- executives. It was like, I couldn't wow. believe it. And they, so they, what a not compliment. only, yeah, yeah how good were you feeling? Serious. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, that's probably the biggest lucky break because the consequences of that were huge. First of all, the gallery, which only had taken three or four photos for me, and more you have photos, more you make money, uh, was like doing a test on me. And now he says, well, this guy's really have interest in you. I'm going to take 24 photos from you. And I, I really became one of the lead photographer when I was just like, uh, you know, because he was like, this guy flew over just to sign up with you. And honestly, I did nothing. It was just like, that's why I, I tell people, you should have a website with uh, not too many photos, really your style of photography, your 20 best, because that's what I did. And, um, and it came from that. It came from doing this artwork. You know, sometimes, you know, you get lucky. I got really lucky that day. That's that's so interesting. So, w- what books do you have out now? So, actually, when you started, says I don't want to make just one book. I want to make two books: Paris and New York. So, yeah, but I've been ten years in Paris. I've been like three weeks in New York. So, we did the Paris first, and then I went several weeks in like just shooting eight hours per day in New York until I did a New York book, which you have here. I yeah, we, we do have here, I, and <laughs> I really do love that book. Thank what you. What was the process of making that book? How many photos did you take, and which ones? Uh, did you cut? Well, the thing is. My Paris book took 10 years to make because it's only oh, sunset, wow. sunset and sunrises. This one, I went in the winter on purpose because New York is very uh, overclouded. And the good thing about uh, bad days, you know, uh, uh, overcast days is you can make really nice black yeah, and white. Yeah. When, when you go color, you can, I, when I, I only shoot morning and sunrise, you know, sunrise and sunset. I never shoot during the day. It's just because I find whatever you find is always going to be nicer at sunrise and sunset. Sure. But... For this book, I couldn't do that. I would have to stay like 10 years in New York to do that. So I was happy it was black and white. I was happy it was overcast for weeks. I was there five weeks and uh, mostly with my daughter. And we're just like, sometime in one day, I would get like eight good photos, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, when uh, in Paris, it took me like a month to get a good photo. So uh, that's, how, uh, that's how I did it. You know, uh, thanks to the bad weather of winter. Could you stay in 10 New- years in New York? No, no. Yeah. I love the city for four days, but yeah, that's not more. Yep. Three, about three or four days is all I can take. In New York. You know, I walk fast, but I was walking on Fifth Avenue and I walk fast and I see all these people walking faster than me. I'm like, 
what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I in Paris is a pretty crowded city, and uh, you know people walk fast, but New York is beyond anything that I've seen. Yeah. I'm in California now in Paris, and I love California style, much more laid back. And, you know. What were the differences in, in the challenges that you faced in shooting in Paris versus New York? They're very different cities, but at the same time, they're also both incredibly large cities. Um, I actually got really lucky with the weather because we had this, like for example, one day I remember it was raining all day, but she was holding an umbrella and it was fog everywhere, but just, you get the most amazing black and white. That's all. I got the Brooklyn bridge, you know, with Brooklyn completely in the fog. Um, actually New York was rather easy because of the bad weather. And I always say, you know, when there is bad weather, there is no colors. I mean, your raw file literally looked like black and white. Yeah. Like you just decelerated a bit and it's black and white. So. It was, you know, it was good to do black and white. Uh, the challenge, I mean, there's so much people, so lo a lot of lone exposures, you know, uh, always playing with the with the Hudson, with the water. So you have the water as a foreground element and you don't have anybody. I rented a chopper and did a lot of uh, aerial photography. Mm -hmm. Also with the Sony A7S that just came out, mm -hmm. it was the only camera that could shoot at 8000 ISO. So that was really cool at the time. Uh, and uh, so I, a lot of the photos are from the Sony A7S from aerial shots. Uh, yeah. It was fun. I, I It was just really cold because it was 25 Fahrenheit, which for me is super cold. I was dressed with like so many layers, I could hardly walk. But, um, I, and I've never seen so much such cold in my life. Like Paris doesn't get that like, cold, get yeah, like maximum, right. I don't know, anyway. So you just mentioned some gear. What are, you, what are you shooting on now? What's your approach to gear? So I've been a Canon shooter from 2004 to 2012. And I was about to buy the 5D Mark III when I saw Trey Radcliffe. Uh, showing off the Sony A7R. And I'm like, I want to try something new. Like, you know, I just wanted to try something new. Yeah. And I literally was on the, on my way. I was driving to buy the Canon 5D Mark III and sort of like watch a video from Terry Ratcliffe and I'm like, I'm going to try this. And so I bought the Sony A7R and uh, never looked back. I, uh, I I am not a Sony artisan. I do not represent the brand and I wish I would do. Somebody <laughs> can, know somebody in Sony can call me. That would be amazing. Because I've sold a few thousand Sony's S7S and R in the world, uh, but joke apart, I think it's an amazing camera. The dynamic range, which is what I'm looking for, because I'm always doing sunset and sunrise, is amazing. Especially the 7R2, which I have now. Uh, I'm not interested by the new one. The new one that just came out because it's really for sport. The A9. Yeah, yeah, because it's I, a totally I, different camera. I want pixels. It sounds amazing. I, it sounds but, amazing, but yeah. I don't care about speed. I right. the landscape. I right. care about pixel because I do big prints. All right, so, all right, so the menu systems. Which menu systems? Was it easy for you to pick up the Sony menu system? No, but you know, the one thing I love about the Sony that Canon doesn't have is the fact that one wheel is the aperture, another wheel is the speed, another wheel is the ISO. That's how I set it up. So you never have to go into a menu to change the three things. I always shoot manual. Yeah. I always underexpose my photo, and uh, I always try to be at 100 ISO. And with Canon, you have to press one button and then change the ISO. That, because I change mm -hmm. the ISO a lot. I, you know, I don't know. I find the Sony and the apps in Sony. Like I used to use ND filters. I'm only using the Smooth Reflection app now, yeah. which is amazing because you don't get any color cast uh, doing long exposure. And I do lots of, I shoot almost all the time with long yeah. exposure. So I really like Sony, the Sony game. The only problem is the battery is really bad. Mm -hmm. It's not really well built. If I, I, I broke my Sony 7R once. It's like, you know, compared to a Canon, which you can throw from the second floor, nothing happens to it. But Sony... The, it's not as well built, and uh, uh, cameras are really bad. Uh, yeah. The batteries are really short. Our studio is at a, at a point now where we're debating whether or not to go full Sony in terms of cinema and video, because we've we've shot everything on uh, the Canon uh, yeah. cinema cameras, and we just got the FS5, and I'm having such a hard time making the transition into the in the menu system on the their 
uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's yeah, weird. It's crazy. It, but it's but so I love the fact I love the fact that you can really like for example program every button on the camera. I love that, and the fact yeah. that there is apps. There's like an app store with like twenty apps. I think that's amazing. And um, I mean, for video, the Sony A7S is crazy too. Yeah. Sony yeah, A7S too. Yeah. I've tried it. I have the Sony A7S and Sony R2, and the three should shooting. be coming out pretty soon, right? Huh? Maybe NAB next week. Yeah, I don't we'll know. see. Anyways, if it wasn't stolen in the truck, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I, I really can see the difference. And I've, you know, I, I teach a lot of photography, so I do workshops. So I have people with Nikon, Canon, and Sony. More and more Sony. I see more and more Sony at workshops now. But honestly, the raw files that I see, Sony is the best. I and yeah. it, DxO They're Mark, good. DxO Mark, you know, said Sony R2 was the best camera in terms of sensory, dynamic range, blah blah yeah. blah. And I think it is. I, I've well, they make sensors for like a lot of cameras, you know. No, I know, uh, but I'm talking, you know, the there's like an official thing on the EXO Mark sure. about the yeah, dynamic oh, range, sure, and sure. it seems to be the best dynamic range. Nikon is right behind it, but I've never shot Nikon. And uh, didn't and, Sony just knock off Nikon for the number two spot? They sure the did. So they, Sony, Sony's Sony has taken. Two. In fact, it was the day before that they well two days ago because they announced the uh, A9. What was it yesterday? It was yeah. just right before that that they had, they had taken over the number two spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, I like Canon news. too. Uh, Canon is well built. I love the look of Canon. You know, the you know the biggest problem with the Sony. I, if you're a real estate photographer and you come in with a Sony A7R, they're, they're, are you a professional? Yeah, it looks yeah. so it much looks not, so small. It looks so small. Like, and I know a lot of photographers have this issue. You know, because they're I've, like not taken seriously. I freaked out a couple of my clients because I've traditionally shot Hasselblad and I've switched to shooting with the Sony A7R too. And it looks like a point and shoot. It looks like a point and shoot on a big Phoba stand in a studio. So it's <laughs> I've got I've got. 150 200 or 200 pound camera stand holding like a <laughs> three pound camera know, it's, it's ridiculous looking yeah. it's pretty funny actually the only thing that's ever freaked me out about and maybe you can answer this is how weatherproof the sony bodies are mm, well i've i shot on the rain a lot and never had an issue but you you, you can tell it's not as well built as like on the canon it's no question and for the price i think that's not really cool but um apart from that i mean i never i i, I I it did break my Sony Seven R, but like it still works. But it's and it was not a big fall. You know, like yeah. a Canon would have not have a scratch. Have they addressed the overheating issues of the A7R? I've never had it. I've heard about it. I've never had it. Oh man! So when we went, we went to Papua New Guinea. And had to have a really small profile. We were doing a tutorial with Sandro, a portrait photographer out of Chicago. It was like, okay, we can't bring C one hundred. So we that was right when the A seven R two came out. So we brought three of those. And they would just, all of them overheated. So it wasn't just like one; it was all of them. And it, it's not like it was a hundred degrees; it was like eighty-five or ninety. But they were all overheating. And like, granted, we're going for like fifteen, twenty minutes. I don't shoot video, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, but yeah. all right, yeah. So I, on the video side, they were overheating. This was a year and a half ago. Now. That was the R two. R two. R two. R two. It was right when the R two came out, which is technically, I guess, it's two years ago. So that they're way overdue for a third one. Oh yeah, definitely. I think honestly, Sony, I, I, they've one kind of thrown down the gauntlet. I think they're really challenging Nikon and Canon now. Like this, this is a, a, the the A7R is a game changer. The the nine now is a new game changer. I think that some of the professional quality in terms of camera build that we're used to mm -hmm. in Nikon and Canon, we're going to start to see in Sony because I think now pr professionals are really taking Sony seriously. Yeah, I, it's it's like not just a good camera; it's really a professional camera. <clears throat> Excuse me, camera. So I think I think the bodies are going to get better. That's my prediction. Yeah, I said it. 
Oh. Let's see what happens. <laughs> original idea from Rob no, Jr. not original <laughs> idea, but I'm, I'm I'm putting it down right now. I really think that Sony is going to start to make. Well, they're some coming changes. out with features that we actually want. You know, like a lot of the new cameras coming out. It's like, well, we didn't really, well, we didn't really want that. Like, Canon has so many different cameras that have different numbers to them. It's yeah. like, what the hell is the difference between that one and this one? Like, when you simplify yeah, you know, it yeah. on on, on at the Sony level, it's like there's not. The crisis of decision when you go to like, well, what's the difference between like the right. the twenty D, the thirty D, the forty D, the fifty D? This is like why. So, so many people ask me for advice. Many? So many people ask me for advice on which which camera to buy. I'm like, I have no idea. There's, mm -hmm. there's like a thousand prosumer cameras in yeah. the in the Nikon yeah. and Canon line. Yeah, but I can tell you something. One hundred ISO with Sony is not the same one hundred ISO with Nikon and Canon. For example, I did a test with a five DS. And a Sony 7R2, where you underexpose the photo, then you open the shadows at 100 with yeah. with uh, with Lightroom. No, nothing in the Sony and full of noise on Canon. And uh, I one of one of my workflow is I open up the shadows at 100, I bring down the highlights at minus my, uh, plus 100 on the shadows, minus 100 on the highlights, and then I do my black and my white. That's always how I start my photos. That's not possible with Canon and sometimes Nikon because of the noise. And uh, the quality of uh, of the no noise in the shadows with Sony is unbelievable. Yeah. So, and that's what I'm looking for. When I shift to Sony and I started sending my RAW files to the gallery, they were like, "Are you shooting Hasselblad medium format? What's this?" You know, they were like, <laughs> uh, "You know, they they because they, they were making very big prints. They couldn't believe it." So, that's interesting. So they saw a real difference right oh, off yeah. the bat. Yeah. Well, first, 46 million pixel or 40 whatever, right. uh, instead of 22 and. You know, yeah, definitely. I mean, the deal went on on a on a, you know, I don't know how many inches that is, two meter wide print. It's a huge deal. It, it's yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, in addition to you, you do your own prints, or you you sell no. prints online. No, no, I I do sell prints online. I don't sell a lot. I work with Bay Photo on that. Some okay. people ask me. Uh, you know, they want special stuff, and I do it with Bay Photo in the U.S. because Yellow Corner is only. In New Jersey and uh, Long Beach in the U.S., but 83 galleries outside of the USA. So for the USA, I work with Bayphoto, and I do sell some prints that way. Have you tried to do your own printing? And sell it that I way? did. How and was I, that like? Uh, really bad. Lost a lot of money, a lot of paper, a lot of ink. And it's 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 honestly, it's a job. Oh, yeah. And, and, it's a big and deal. I gave up. Like, I bought this big Epson, you know, and then I just sold it back. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm going to work with a printer. I don't want to get into that. Yeah. It's a whole, it's a job. It's, yeah, and it's, I'm not good at it. It's opening the door. Oh, it's such a pain. Like I don't enjoy it. I've I've done a little bit with Rob, but ooh, I do not enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, my printer I, sits most of the time. To tell you the truth, yeah, all of them. It, it is much cheaper just, today, I think, to work with a good like Bay Photo or Mpix Pro than than try to do it yourself. Yeah, because it costs nothing. Huh. To, when you make a mistake on your own, well, yeah. you got to pay for that mistake. Yeah, like they, if they make a mistake, yeah. they're not gonna charge you for that. Yeah, you know? yeah, and they know their stuff. You know, they they know their stuff. They yeah. totally know their stuff, huh. and that's the other big factor with printing is time. Yeah, it takes an enormous amount of time to get it right, to futz with it, and to, to yeah, pull the prints. Yeah, and we cannot afford to buy twenty thousand dollars printers like they have, you know. Right. So, right. So, have you moved to Los Angeles full time? Yes, I moved to Los Angeles. I just got my green card uh, about a month ago. Yeah, as a photographer, I was pretty happy on that. You know? And uh, yeah, so uh, but I am two months per. I'm all May and September in Paris usually, and I travel a lot. Like yeah. I just came back from a month from Italy, so I I travel, but I'm based in LA. Because of, because of movie making. How do you like living in LA? I love it. Really? I love it because um, I love, I'm pretty close to Malibu. I love the yeah. ocean. Mm -hmm. I've always loved the ocean since I was a kid. I'm, old, I'm there like one night out of two shooting in Malibu. Uh, I love the weather. 
uh, Paris can get really cold where you don't see any clouds for like six months, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm exaggerating, but at least like two, three months, it's just like white and it's yeah. cold. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, we had a lot of rain in LA this year, but usually it's always nice. Uh, it gets too hot. Like was one thing that surprised me about LA is how not too hot it is. You know, yeah. I had this idea of LA is unbearable for four months. It's not. It's like literally four to six weeks. It's like That's the perfect really rough. temperature all year round. Yeah. And so that I love. Uh, uh, many things I love about the USA. All right. So, all right, so California wine or French wine? Uh, <laughs> no, I, just you, between us, just us four. No one else is listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not big into wine. I'm not oh. being so, but all right. I would say French wine. All right, what about cheese? California cheese oh, or no way? French French, no. no. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff I love about the USA, but one thing I don't is the food. I'm having, no. Oh yeah. No, really? Oh no. None. I have had huge stomach problem when I moved here, and my entire family had stomach issues. Apparently, when you live 40 years in Europe and you come here, uh, we had, don't have the same bacteria. It's kind of a, don't want to get into details, but yeah, sure. Uh, it was not. Uh, I don't know. I guess the quality of the food. Like I had, a, it's funny. I had a my hair cutter. She's gluten intolerant, like really bad. But there's this one guy that opened a bakery in LA where he gets the flour to come from Paris. That's the only bread she can eat. And th- there's something about the bread and and the quality of the milk in France that's very different from the U.S. I don't know what it is, but it's something there. Most yeah. of Europe is like that. I find I, yeah. eating well, food prob- in America. It's not a good experience, and then but then going over to Europe is amazing. Like all the French girls are really thin. They eat bread all day. Like, you know, they, you know, the baguette is amazing there. So it's like yeah. we, and they're like really thin and, you know, there's a lot less weight issues. I think there's really something going on in the U.S. food that's not going sure, on. Sure, everything is refined. Oh, yeah. It's, we have farm, you know, it's a giant factory farms. There's corn it's, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Corn, corn syrup. It's just, it's crazy. So, I mean, eat. it does taste good. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I know a few restaurants that does taste good, but I feel there is like, even the most organic stuff is not yeah, as good as what you find in Europe. I know, I know. I feel like organic is just the new norm now. Yeah, and like, yeah. It's like now they're even cutting corners on that. It's like, all right, what are the standards of organic really now? Like, because everyone has to have organic. Yeah, and it's still so expensive. I can't. Go, I can't go into Whole Foods and not spend a hundred dollars. I go in. For, oh God, no. Yeah. I go in for Lacroix, which I drink like right. seven of. They're amazing. <laughs> a day, mind you, and I come out with just a million things. It's like, damn it. Spend a hundred bucks. That's yeah. why they call it whole wallet. You can't go in there. Without... Oh, they do call it whole wallet. Oh yeah, no, that's that, that's its nickname. Who calls it that? Everybody but you. Now you will start calling it whole no wallet. No one calls it that. Yeah, there are plenty of people that. <laughs> or whole paycheck, or you know. Just I've heard whole paycheck. Whole, whole yeah. Paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not the only one. No, that's you're not the only now. one. <laughs> <laughs> So what's next for you? Like, what are you working on now? You just did a movie. Yeah, so my thing, well, what we're hoping is the movie does well and gets some attention so we can do the second one. We have we have actually already Ooh, a couple. a sequel. No, it's the oh. one, that the, the heavy VFX one we want oh, to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so okay. this one we're trying to do now. Plus, I'm involved in, because um, I really love movies, so I'm involved as a producer on four other projects with, where I'm not acting with other big Hollywood producers where I'm just more like a go-between. Because believe it or not, through my YouTube channel, I've met amazing people. Uh, which are, you know, including Tom Anderson, which is a good friend who is the creator of MySpace, an amazing photographer, which apparently learned some light from through me. So which, His photography is amazing. Yeah. Really? He, yeah. MySpace Tom, you ever follow his Instagram page? Uh, it's it's crazy. incredible. No. It's so good. Yeah. He's, to check it he out. has the same profile photo. We were joking about MySpace this whole week. Yeah, all week long. <laughs> well, yeah. I haven't there yet. So uh, we were, so uh, I'm helping him on a few things, helping him on a few things. An amazing man. I mean, the guy... Uh, you know, invented social media. And and so, uh, you know, way before Facebook. And um, 
and you know pretty wealthy person travels the world and just takes photos of like he's been I don't think there is somebody who's been in the places that he has been because he has the means and the whereabouts to go everywhere and it's unbelievable his body of work is uh, I'm trying to convince him to do a book right now with my publisher because wow. it's really worth it wow we have to check him out that sounds yeah. cool we have been joking like the first or second episode I always do the wrap up and we talk about you can also follow us on SoundCloud and blah, iTunes blah, blah. and I joked with Rob. I was like, Rob, where can you subscribe? And he's like, uh, MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've been ending every podcast. Just, well, we'll MySpace. have to end this one with MySpace. Too. Yeah. Which we now have to make a MySpace page. We do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's good. not involved in MySpace. He sold it at the right yeah, time. Yeah. Justin, Justin Timberlake yeah. owns it now, right? No, apparently not. From what he told me a few days ago, he sold his share to somebody else also. Oh, oh he's out. Oh, then uh, I'm out. I'm not all right, yeah. making a MySpace page. <laughs> no, we have to. We've been talking about it all week but we now have it's to... canceled if jt's not there I'm... come on no man. justin do no, i don't justin, know apparently no he's not from what i understood i didn't get into the whole details of the thing but there might be some surprises along the line on this Ooh. myspace thing oh i cannot reveal Ooh. anything Ooh. so see we <laughs> should stay in the myspace yeah, we game <laughs> we should invest double down let's invest let's double let's triple down how quickly, <laughs> that, changed. Now. How quickly that changed <laughs> yeah we're a little know, nuts right. that way i'm just i'm just guessing really so where can people find your work? Uh, my, main webs movie. Uh, my main website is photosearch.com. The, um, the movie is called The Hollywoodens. Uh, Hollywoodens.com would be the website. Or you just type my name, so Germany, on iTunes. You'll find it right away. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram. Photosearch is where I'm everywhere. Facebook photosearch. Photo, uh, you know, Instagram photosearch. Uh, my website's called photosearch. Uh, you just type my name. Um, Google did a good job about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. This yeah, has really been a pleasure me. to talk with you. We've enjoyed I, it. I, I knew you guys from uh, the um, tutorials you produced with Eric Almas, which I'm a huge fan oh, of. Oh, yeah, he's a great oh, guy. Yeah. And uh, I th anyway, I loved what you did with him. I bought the stuff. And his podcast oh, is thank you. Oh, you really did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank so you. We appreciate yeah, it. His, uh, his podcast is actually part of this season that's coming out. We, did, uh, cool. we started it off with a video podcast. He was just in our studio a few days ago. So we kind of jump-started this season with a video podcast. Well, for me, and that's only me, he is the biggest, best photographer on this planet. Really? Yeah. yeah. No he's question. talented. Yeah, no for question. me. Because he, is, he has a way of capturing landscape and portrait at the same time that are both breathtaking. And, you know, there is composites, but there is, I don't know, I just, there is, a, I mean, there's so much. His body of work is so huge. It's unbelievable. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. And what do you think about his sweater collection? I haven't seen, I oh, didn't get into his sweater oh, collection. You have huge. to pay attention to what he's wearing on his videos because uh, the guy is a the, master at sweaters. He's the tyrant of turtlenecks. <laughs> ah. that's, that's amazing. I will check it out. <laughs> <laughs> we joke about it with him. We got to go to Norway yeah. with him just to go sweater shopping. Yeah, he only gets them from Norway. He's on point. He's not down with the, the sweaters collection in the United it's States. It's like American food. He can't wear American sweaters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Uh, we're really looking forward to this whole season. And to download this whole season, you can go to rggedupodcast.com right after you go and get his movie. Yes. yes. The Hollywoodens with Serge Ramelli. With Serge Ramelli. You will spend a good evening with me, I hope. Have you ever had the, the soft drink, Serge? What? The soft drink, the soda, Serge. No? There was a huge thing in like the late 90s, early. Really? And then like it went away for a while and it just came back. Really? There's a soda here called Surge. I don't think you can get it everywhere. It's loaded with like a, a thousand times the sugar and a thousand yeah. times the caffeine. It's yeah. really? so not healthy. You should do like a, a, a YouTube 
uh, video with Surge with Surge. Surge really? with Surge. Surge with Surge. Your audience would go. Your American audience would go crazy. Really, I yeah. never heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. Good. It's spelled a little bit differently. S U R G E. The only uh, surge I remember yeah. is the the guy in uh, Axel Foley, uh, Beverly's Cop, that was like the haircutter that was kind of a. Oh, well, sure. You know, it was like, oh, Serge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him very well. Oh, people fun. joked on, with me on that. This is maybe the best ending we've ever had. Could be. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> awesome. it well, thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, really. well, thank you it for coming. Fun. We really appreciate it. All right. All right. Cheers. cheers. Okay, the podcast is over. But before you go, I just wanted to let you know that I always take a penny from the penny tray at the gas station, but I never leave one. Now I've had the time of my life. No, I've never felt this way before. Yes, I swear it's the truth and I owe it all to you. Now I've had the time of my life. No, I've never felt this way before. Yes, I swear it's the truth. And I owe it all.